Welcome to Save the Cowboy. This is Pastor Kevin Weatherby, and I invite you to saddle up and ride with us as we strike a trot to the backside of God's green pastures and learn how to live for Him. Like to welcome everybody uh, for that's watching on the internet and uh, all that good stuff. Um, I'm, I'm going to tell you uh, this is going to be embarrassing. I know I'm going to get a lot of crud from all of y'all over this, and like I don't get it every week anyway. Um, but I'm going to tell you about a dream I had whenever I was a young kid. So the house that I grew up in was, uh, it, it, it used to be a little two-bedroom house, and then we added another master bedroom and a master bath and a big kitchen onto it and everything. And, and I'm not going to go into the specific details, but I am going to tell you that the part in the old house was all carpet, and the part in the addition was all linoleum. And there was a, uh, there was a door installed from my brother's room that opened right up into the hallway that was added on so that if my parents needed to get to us, they didn't have to go all the way around. And what this new addition to this door did is it made it where you could run around and never stop. We got in so much trouble. I mean, you know, <laughs> we didn't have Nerf dart guns back then, so, you know, BB guns in the house, you know. Can run around and shoot each other. We, yeah, it's one of the. Don't try that at home, children. Goy, where are you? Don't do that. And uh, so, anyway, you know how some dreams are just so, so vivid. Well, one night, you know how it just kind of drops you in like you've been beamed from Star Trek or something. You just start the dream in mid deal, and I am hooking it around this deal. And there is something big, mean, scary, claws. I can hear them just ripping into the carpet. And of course, whenever I came out of my brother's room, there was a wall because you had to make a right to go down the hallway. It's linoleum. So I'd bounce off that wall and take off running. Well, if you're running from something in a circle, what's the one thing that you don't want to happen is you don't want to get too far ahead because then it can come around and, and get you. So what I'd do is I'd wait just until I could hear the whatever it was get to the linoleum, and then I'd hook it around. Well, before I'd get all the way around, I'd wait till I could hear it hit the carpet. So I just stayed at that magical deal right in front of me. Even in dreams, I get asthma, I reckon, because I got sick of running around in a circle. This went on and on and on and on and on. And I, I just remember thinking, as long as it's chasing me, it's not going to get my little brother. As long as it's chasing me, it ain't going to get mom or dad. I'm tired of this thing chasing me. And so, you know, where you ducked around, mine and my brother's room were right next door to each other. Well, my room was a dead end. And so finally I thought, I can't keep doing this. I can't keep doing it. So when I came around there, I ran and I jumped in bed and I threw the covers over my head because covers will protect you, right? It happens every time. Uh, on a side note, uh, there, there was a scary movie called uh, The Grudge, I think. And some of you might have seen it, but this thing would walk and you'd go, uh, and it kind of freaked me out. And we were living in another house, and I'm fast forwarding about five years. And uh, 
We had hail screen over the windows, and the moths would get in between the hail screen and the window. And there was a big barn owl that used to think that he could fly right in there and get all those moths, and he'd smack into the window. And I was watching that scary movie, and I had my, like this, I was like, if that owl hits the window right now, I'm going to scream like a girl. <laughs> my wife is still making fun of me over that. But anyway, so I run, and I jump in bed, and I cover up, and I hear it go past. And then I heard it stop, and I heard it sniffing, and it turned around, and it came. I was like, oh no, oh no, what am I going to do? And I, it came by my bed, and I just waited for the killing blow, and it went under the bed. And I remember feeling it, oh, don't breathe, as it pushed the mattress up, because this was a big thing. Of course, it fed under a twin bed that was this big, but I don't, who cares? And it went under the bed, and I'll finish that story in just a little while. <laughs> if you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 16. What are y'all? Oh! <laughs> Matthew chapter 16. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is hanging out with his boys, with his disciples. He's hanging out, and they're visiting and everything like that. And all of a sudden, you know, they had been together right now about two years or so, okay? So he has been discipling. Now, understand that these disciples, they weren't, they didn't go to seminary. They weren't already preachers. These were fishermen and tax collectors and stuff like that. He had a lot of teaching to do, okay? And so he'd been teaching these boys... I mean, they were basically living together for about two years. And then all of a sudden, Jesus pops up one day and asks a question. He says, who do, do y'all think I am? Who do the people say I am? And some of the disciples, you know, they, they spoke up and they said, well, you know, some people are saying that you're John the Baptist. Have you ever noticed when, when you're scared to answer, like, this is what I think? You always, some, it's always other people that say it. Uh, well, some people are saying you're John the Baptist. Some people are saying that you are Elijah. Some people are saying that you're Jeremiah or one of the other prophets. So they answered with the common thought of the day. We have people in our church today that if Jesus was to come and say, who do you say I am? Some people would fail miserably at that. We have people in church today that don't know who Jesus is. They'd say something like, well, uh, he's, he's God's son. Um, he's a guy that died for our sins. Uh, he was this, this dude that never made a mistake, and they nailed him to this big old cross, and it was just horrible. Well, wait a minute. Aren't all those things right? In Matthew 8, 29, it says, what do you want? Let me back up. In Matthew 8, 29... A lot of us will say, he's God's son, he's this, he's that, and he's this. Because I know he's God's son, because I know he was crucified, because I know he was perfect, then I must believe in Jesus and I must be going to heaven. But hang on, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 29, Jesus comes across uh, one of them big old bodies of water. I don't know which one it was, probably the, I don't know, one of them. I don't remember. Anyway, so he walks up there, and there's these two guys that have been terrorizing this cemetery. They've tried to chain them up. These guys can break the chains and everything like that. They're demon-possessed. Well, Jesus comes walking up there, and immediately the demons say this. 
What do you want with us, Son of God? What do you want with us, Son of God? Have you come to torture us before the appointed time? Now think about that for a second. A lot of us will say, oh, he's God's son. He's the guy that died on the cross. Even the demons know that. Just because you think that and believe that doesn't mean anything. Belief comes from inside. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted, have you come back to torture us before the appointed time? Even Jesus asked his own guys that he has been discipling, he's been hanging out with, he's been teaching them how to do everything. He asked them and they said, oh, well, uh, Elijah, Jeremiah, who are you? And he's been with them for two, two years. Let's talk about Paul. Paul, formerly known as Saul, was a, by his own words, a Pharisee of Pharisees. Now, let me, it, I, for years, I didn't even know what a Pharisee was. A Pharisee is a real religious fella that they have like hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of laws that they claim to be so holy because they follow all of these laws and they walk around looking down their nose at everybody that doesn't do as well as they do and they pray in the streets so people can see how holy they are. Blah, 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 blah. Well, Paul formerly known as Saul, he's Saul at this time, said, I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. Man, this guy is holy with mayo, okay? You see what I'm saying? That was kind of dumb. <laughs> so anyway, he, this guy is, is all that, okay? And then Jesus comes, he dies, and what does Saul do? Saul goes out and rounds up Christians and kills them. As a matter of fact, he held the coats. The first person to die for Jesus Christ was a guy named Stephen. He was stoned after giving it to the uppity-uppities of the church. They went out and stoned him, and Saul held their coats and watched as they killed the first Christian martyr. A couple of years later, he got to meet Jesus by himself. But you know what? There are still Pharisees of Pharisees in the world today. There was a guy that came up to me and said, you're going to hell for writing the simplified cowboy version. I said, oh, really? He said, yes, you are. I said, why do you figure that? He said, because the Bible says that you cannot do, uh, don't add anything or take away from the word of God. And I said, I never said, I never took anything away. The only way to salvation is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. He died for our sins. He said, yeah, but you're changing the words. And I said, okay, so I, I'm paraphrasing what God said so that somebody else that might not understand it might understand it just a tad bit better. So I'm going to go to hell because I'm trying to make people understand the Bible a little better. He said, well, you're just going overboard with it, and the Bible says you can't add to or take away from anything. And I said, okay, okay, let me get, you, let me get this straight. So if somebody came up to you and said, explain John 3.16 to me, then the only thing you could do is open it up and go, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I said, if they said... Yeah, but what does that mean? All you could say is, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes. Because you couldn't paraphrase it. You couldn't say, Jesus loved us so much. That God loved us so much that 
He bore a son. And that son he allowed to become the ultimate sacrifice so that we can live forever. You wouldn't be able to say that. He goes, well, no, you're, you're splitting hairs now. And I said, oh, really? And I said, you go look at Stephen, the very first martyr. The reason he's killed is because he goes back to the very beginning. He goes back to Moses and everything. And if you look in Acts at that passage, Stephen is sitting there and he's saying, remember when Moses said, remember when Abraham said, but if you go back and you look, Stephen was paraphrasing what they actually said. It wasn't word for word. And I pointed that out to him. And I, he had been rebuking me out of the New International Version of the Bible. Okay? Which, uh, that's fine. I mean, I didn't like it, but that's fine. And so I show him the New International Version. And I show it to him. And he goes, well, that's not a real Bible. The real Bible is only King James. I was like, you know what, dude? I'm done with you. I'm done with you. And I said, I know what God has called me to do, to reach cowboys and cowgirls, and I really don't care if you like it or not. He goes, well, you just don't understand. Iron sharpens iron, and you need to listen to me because I don't think God told you. And I said, you know what, fella? I said, I don't think that God is going to come tell you to come tell me what to do because I've got a personal relationship, and I don't need you. And I said, i tell you what. I'm not doubting your faith. Why don't we argue about it when we get to heaven? He goes, well, we won't argue about it up there. And I said, then why are we arguing about it down here? But I'm telling you that religious people will defend their viewpoint to the point of absurdity. They have all the answers. You can't tell them anything. Why? Because they'll stick their nose up and they'll say, because that's what God said. Well, how do you argue with that, right? I mean, like, I don't think God said that. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Yes, he did. No, he didn't. Come on. There's still religious Pharisees just like Saul going on today. God told me. That, that, that's what they always say. God told me. They know the will of God in everyone's life. Just ask them, what am I supposed to do with my life? Those really religious people, they've got the answer. You come talk to me, I'm going to be like, I don't know. Why don't you talk to God about it? They are slow to love, but quick to rebuke. Saul was a Pharisee of Pharisees. He was a religious zealot. And people like Saul are still around today. They think they know God, but there's a big difference in religion and relationship. You can be the most religious person on earth and not go to heaven. But wait a minute. They read, they study, they know the Bible. How can this be? In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, Jesus himself says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter, enter the kingdom of God, but only he who does the will of my Father. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Lord, didn't we cast out demons? Lord, didn't we do many miracles in your name? And I will say to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you evildoer. Man, prophecy, cast out demons, do miracles. Why aren't they going to go to heaven? Because it's not about being religious. It's about knowing Jesus Christ. It's not about what you do. God can work through anybody. If God wants to perform a miracle, He can do it through a bullfrog. He's God. It doesn't mean that we're something. That's the power of God, not us. There's one more guy I want to talk to you all about. As Jesus hung on the cross, He hung between two thieves. And in Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew... And the Gospel of Mark, they both say that the two thieves, both of them, 
were hurling insults at Jesus as he was nailed to the cross. But in Luke chapter 23, verse 39, at the very end, one of the thieves turned to Jesus and he says, Aren't you the Christ? Save yourself and us. Let me tell you what, there's a lot of people dying today on crosses with Jesus right in reach. But they're doing the same thing that that thief did. What these thieves look like today is they're after the benefits of Jesus. They don't care about believing in him. What these thieves are after, after is the success of eternity. But they don't want to deal with that sacrifice. Remember when Paul says, offer yourselves as living sacrifice because this is your true and spiritual act of worship. They want the benefits but not the belief. They want the success but not the sacrifice. They want the pardon from consequences but not the path to God. God, if you can only fix this. They want the comfort, not the commitment. There are thieves still today that are literally dying this far from Jesus Christ. And they may even know who he is and they're still dying because it's not about him, it's about them. It's never ending. Let's go back to the beginning. The disciples said, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're Elijah, some say you're just one of the other prophets. We don't know who you are. And then he looks at Peter. You know that dude that always messed up? And he says, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. He knew who Jesus Despite everything, and let me tell you what, if you go to uh, that scripture right there, if you will go there after... Uh, Peter says that. Jesus just, I mean, he heaps all. And he says, on this I will build my church. The fact that he was the son of the living God and everything. And the very next thing that happens is Jesus says, and I'm going to die. And Peter said, I ain't going to let it happen, God. And Jesus turned around and said, get away from me, Satan, for you are a stumbling block. He gets right on him. Peter doesn't, his, his success doesn't last like 10 minutes. And then the transfiguration. Peter gets to go up and see Moses and Elijah and Jesus all talking. He's like, hey, y'all want me to set up a tent? Shut up, Peter. And then they get down and he's going around and some Pharisees says, does your, does your uh, teacher pay the church tax? And Peter's like, you bet he does. And then P uh, Jesus scolds him again. But the point is that the biggest mistake maker ever got it right. Even on the night that Jesus was arrested, Peter denied him three times. He knew who Jesus was. Oh, Peter made a bunch of mistakes. And so have we. But do you have it right? Do you think that he is the son of the living God? Do you truly believe that or are you just after the benefits? Let's go back to Saul or Paul. After he meets Jesus on the road to Damascus, he's blinded. Then Ananias comes in and prays over him and lays hands on him and his, something like scales falls from his eye. And in Acts 9, 19 through 20, it says, At once Paul began to preach in the synagogues that Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Son of God. His God. Look at how much Peter's life was changed. Look at how much Paul's life was changed, transformed. And then let's look at the thief. But the other criminal, this one has just got through saying, if you're the Christ, save yourself and save us. The other criminal looks at him after hurling insults at him for a while, says, don't you fear God since you are under the same death sentence? 
We are punished justly for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you will be with me in paradise. It's never too late. It's never too late. He wasn't baptized. He wasn't thing. But I guarantee you, given the chance, he would have been a great disciple. Will you be? There's been so many deaths. So many deaths. We, none of us, know when we walk out of here what's going to happen to us. Don't think that you've got all the time in the world because you don't. Which thief are you going to be? You just looking for the benefits of Christ? Or are you looking to believe in him? Truly believe. With the covers like this over my head, I felt whatever it was go under the bed. And now it, the bed is between it and the door. And I thought, now's my chance. And so I threw the covers back and I jumped out of bed and I went running around. But I didn't start the circle again. I ran to the front door. And I hit the front door and do, do, does every woman lock the doors at night? <laughs> Locks only keep out the good guys. I hit the door and it's locked. So I'm scrambling and I can hear the thing coming. I can hear it coming. Uh, and so I get it open. Does every woman lock the screen door too? Why? This, and you can't unlock a screen door in pitch black darkness. You can't do it. can't be done. So the door's open. I'm flipping like this, and I can hear it coming. And I get the screen door open, and it grabs me, and I screamed. And my mom said, what are you doing? <laughs> See, at that moment, that dream was so real that when I threw the covers back, I was wide awake. What I heard coming was somebody, my mama thought somebody trying to get in the front door. She was going to kill somebody. And I could hear her coming. And boy, I was trying to do that. Good grief. But let me tell you something. What I thought was stalking me, the devil's stalking all of us. And our lives are just going in circles. Are you tired of that? Are you tired of living in fear, going through the same thing time after time after time, just going in a circle? It's time for us to wake up and know that those footsteps that we hear when we know who Jesus Christ is, is not somebody coming to hurt us. Somebody coming to save us that will wrap you in their arms, that will always be there for you. It's time today. Jesus is coming back real soon for all of us. And I'm not saying that he's going to be here next week or next month or 10 years from now or what. But I guarantee you, you're going to meet him in your lifetime because if he doesn't come back before you die, the second you die, you're going to get to meet him. What is he going to say? Is he going to look at you and say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into thine rest. Or will he say, get away from me, you evildoer, for I knew you not. Don't wait. Recognize that he is the son of God. Let him make a difference in you. You don't have to be. Glad you took a ride with us today. If you liked today's service and heard God speaking to you, I'd like for you to go to our website and check out the new book, Simplified Cowboy Version Gospel of Matthew. If you've ever wanted to read your Bible but found it difficult to understand, then this book is for you. Just go to SaveTheCowboy.com and click on General Store. You'll find tons of stuff there to help you in your ride with Christ. You can also partner up with us by following the online giving link. 
All our monthly supporters get an audio CD or DVD every month in the mail as our way of saying thank you. We don't care about the amount. Look at what Jesus did with a couple of biscuits and some fish. He can do the same with your helping hand. I know you couldn't help but notice all the great music playing in the background. You need to stop what you're doing right now and go by BarryWardMusic.com and check out his new album, West of Dodge. This program wouldn't have been possible without these fine folks. Tumbleweed Hay and Hauling, 303-324-8217. WesternLLC.net. Look East Realty, 303-644-4444. Double H Heating and Air, 303-669-8911. Integrity Auto Repair, 303-621-2845. And Comanche Creek Enterprises, 303-619-7030. Please support businesses that aren't afraid to show their faith. Call them today or go by SaveTheCowboy.com and click on Sponsors for more information.